This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith, live at Firebug for Bottle Rocket Comedy as part of the Dave's Leicester Comedy Festival. This is the amazing Nick Helm. (laughs) So, thanks for coming. I always get really edgy before. I haven't done one of these since Edinburgh. And you were going to come on your show in Edinburgh... And uh, you weren't yeah. able to because you were on at the same time. Your show sort of like clashed with the last five minutes. Of yeah, something, something like that. Because like I saw your show last time and had to leave five minutes before the end to run out here. That's right. And yeah. I, so I, I experienced what it was like to be one of the people that you scream abuse at as they're running out of your show <laughs> on arguably legitimate grounds. It's always legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> I always shout at people legitimately, I think, I feel. <laughs> I, think, I, I think I do, yeah. Okay, I, listen, before, before we get stuck in, let's... Uh, because there'll be people listening, I'm sure everyone here is familiar with you, and a lot yeah, of people yeah. have seen your act. There'll be for, people that don't know who the fuck I am. For people who don't know who the fuck you are, can you describe what it is you... I was going to say what you think you do. What do you think you do, Nick? Oh. <laughs> um... um <laughs> Oh, maybe I was the worst person to have on your show. (laughs) 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 I I don't know. I try not to stop and think about it. Otherwise, it undoes like a jumper. Um, Well, for the next hour, you're going to have to stop and think about it. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. Right, it's dawning on me what I've got to do now. Um, Yeah, I don't don't know, really. I kind of um, try... Basically, what I do now is uh, a culmination of lots of failed gigs. Okay. So to describe what I do, I, I kind of, at the moment, I'm doing a lot of shouting and swearing. <sighs> but, I mean, what I, what I attempt to do is I try and do uh, a bit of everything in one show. I, it's, I'm trying to do, like, a variety show. Okay. Um, but it's, more, it's not just about, I'm just sort of trying to see it from the perspective of someone who hasn't seen you. And obviously there's loads of stuff available on YouTube, so there's no excuse for not seeing you but for someone listening to this that hasn't seen it like for example i read a review recently that described you as i think it said something like a heart on his sleeve romantic having a nervous breakdown on stage yeah perfect <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what i do that's what it is. no but that's that is what it is it's always easier to look at something and describe it than it is to do it from the inside you know i mean you try really hard to um to do something new and original and then Turner and Hooch has just come out and you've made canine, you know, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I was making, Turner and Hooch. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's always easier to kind of look at what other people do and describe that than it is to kind of... But you, but you, but you are aware, you're aware of what you're doing, you know, you're aware of what you... Like, I think of your show as it's something that, like, you've built... And I say show as well, because I think of you more in the frame of doing an hour than I, than I do of doing fives or tens or twenties. I guess... You write shows that are complete. I guess I'm on the back foot here, just going what I do, because the majority of the people in here have just seen me struggle for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, and also, I mean, that's, that's quite interesting. A lot of these people have seen the show you, which is very different to you now. Yeah. And so it might be difficult for you to just sort of step away from the fact that they've just seen the you that you portray on stage. 
Yeah, basically, I mean, I have, um, I find previewing very difficult. So uh, whatever I do in the previews, it's always kind of like, um, it'd be really nice to preview what my final idea for a show is, which would be to have a huge set and on music and bells and whistles and poems and stuff like that. But it takes a long time to write a poem, let alone three poems, five songs, uh, eight one-liners and... 30 minutes of stand-up comedy and to do all of that simultaneously plus design costumes <laughs> set and when we say costumes and set for people that haven't seen it last year the focus was Evil Knievel yeah so and I had a huge Evil Knievel set and um, and costumes uh, and like tearaway costumes and stuff like that so it's like plate spinning because you've got to develop everything uh, simultaneously and so previewing is very difficult because not only are you not r- Ever be ever able to preview the show until you get up to Edinburgh? Um, it's just it falls so far away from your own expectations of what you're doing that you've literally just got to put on a brave face and kind of like you know pretend to people that this is the <laughs> this is all <laughs> intentional. But um, but isn't that but, I mean isn't that something that you do even when the show is there with everything in it and all the bells and whistles and the costume changes and the exercise bike and the motorbike or whatever the stunts. Even then, the show is kind of about you failing to do a show. Yeah, that's all it is, really. It's kind of like me, kind of like uh, trying to put a brave face. I okay. So when I first had to do mm, my first five minutes, I think the first time I ever did stand-up comedy, uh, I tried to approach it, or in the back of my head, I had it as though I'm going to do five minutes. I'm going to do the best show that I've ever done. It's going to be the best show that anyone's ever seen. And then two minutes before I go on stage, I've got dumps. And then I have to go through with it and do it with a... Thanks, mate. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry just to clarify, that's what actually happened or that's no, no, the no, premise that's, for it? That's, that's the premise for what, gotcha. for, for what it is. And so that when you, when you go on to do 20 minutes, you, know, you can have a bit more fun with it and play around with different levels and stuff. And then when you do an hour... Well, I mean, I've done like five hours now. Uh, and so, so when you do an hour, that's kind of like, well, what could it be this time? And uh, I think the first time I did it, um, I was kind of on the verge of a, a nervous breakdown. The second time I did it, um, I was kind of... I, I think if you put all of my shows end-to-end, then they kind of tell kind of like a story. Like the character or whatever I do on stage, it's not really a character because it it's like an exaggerated part of me. Um, and that... Um, so the that, first that, that kind of evolves uh, through each show. So, so I think with uh, I did a show called Bad Things Happen in Trees, and that was all about uh, heartbreak. And Keep Hold of the Gold was all about putting a positive spin on things. And then Dare to Dream was about uh, moving on. And This Means War was about being uh, in denial and being bitter about you know brokenheartedness. And um, One Man Megamyth was all about literally going. Um, I'm fine, you know, I'm totally fine now, uh, but it was literally, that was the most nerve, you know, that was the most nervous breakdown sort of performance that I'd done, because okay. that was all about success and failure. Yes. When we talk about the autobiographical, like, is it, what, how much is there a parallel of autobiographical of what's going on in your life that you're responding to by writing? Like you say, you know, you see people around, you get famous, and maybe that helps, or, you know, or, you're, or the... Arguably, the criticism that what can you complain about now because now you're more successful when that's levelled at you, 
to what extent did the journey that you've described through those shows reflect... <laughs> to what extent did, the, did that journey reflect what was going on in your life? Because you, like, everything... All of your shows that I've seen contain an element of heartbreak, of sadness, of torture, of, of upset, of maybe of depression, as well as all the high bits. You, your, your shows almost follow... Like, they start really excitedly and upbeat and screaming, and then something massive happens, and then you have to recover from it, and you're kind of... You're collapsed and coming back from it. You know, you're sort of shriven during the show. So what I'm asking is... Yeah, shriven. Shriven. Um, <laughs> I mean, wow. <laughs> so what, but what I'm asking is, to what extent do those things reflect actual stuff that's going on in your real life? Right, yeah. So um, have we actually summed up to the listeners um, what I do? I, sometimes I shout and sometimes I swear. And sometimes you sometimes swear. you shout and you and scream I, and you do poems well, I, and you do songs and it all falls apart and you take your clothes off. What? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> It's, it's interesting, I wonder if it's almost a bit paradoxical that for someone who on stage appears to just... And part of what we as an audience celebrate is the fact that you don't give a fuck. You're smashing, you know, boundaries all over the place, clambering amongst us, sweating, often getting people on stage. And what we're loving is the fact that there are no rules and there's no sense of control or responsibility that actually you as the performer feels an enormous amount of responsibility to give us that very thing. Yeah. Well, it's not an accident, is it? I mean, it's not like... <laughs> yeah, you, you do a gig like today. You know, we were all in this gig today, and, that's, uh, and you've got people talking at the back. And I don't mind if people are talking. I don't mind if people go for a wee or anything like that. But it seems like at this stage, when you're in the preview stage, it would be a complete waste of an opportunity to not have a go at them because <laughs> you never know what gold might came out, come out of it. Yeah, and, okay. And yeah. not just the gold that comes out in the toilets, am I right, guys? Um, <laughs> um, you never know what gold might come out of it because uh, I, I write on stage. I'll have, like, notes um, in like M&M's world and, uh, and I'll see where that goes. And if it doesn't go anywhere, I'll drop it. But if it goes somewhere and it builds and builds and builds... Then, um, so, but presumably with the M&M's world bit, and I don't want to sort of give too much away, but given that we... Yeah, don't, you don't want to give anything away on that one, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has a proper punchline at the end. Yeah. Yeah, so you, but you yeah, have that... When you say you write on stage, you're bringing the, like, the bare bones of the That's a true joke. story. Yeah, sure. So all you're doing is you're like, trying to explain the, the story. I mean, that happened... Me and James Acaster in M&M's world, and that all happened. And then... Yeah, what the fuck are you talking about, mate? A specialist tour. Um, yeah, sure. but like, um But that happened to both of us, you know, at the same time. Yeah. And then I said the thing, and then you say to James, are you going to do that, or am I going to do that? That's yeah, always the thing with yeah, James, yeah, isn't it? And he goes, I'm not going to do it. And, I'm <laughs> like, and I go, brilliant. Uh, but I didn't realise what James meant by that. And that was... That's such a rubbish anecdote, Nick. <laughs> 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 uh, it's good enough for Leicester, though, so let's see. Um, no, um, but, you, but you come on with the anecdote, and then what you're, that process of mining, let's just focus on that. When you're writing on stage, you've got... You well, know, I'll tell you what a better example would be, would be the cocksucker material. Yeah. Where I wrote that as... I mean, you know, you try and make it look like it's spontaneous, but in actual fact, that you've, you've tried it out, and then... you build it and build it and build it and build it until eventually um, it's a thing with a punchline and then it goes, oh, but when you start, you don't have that punchline. You, you say that punchline once by accident, you know, 
uh, especially with something that's so, so fragile as kind of listing other comedians in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like you don't want to be you know shooting yourself in the foot by kind of like insulting people that you actually work with because I think the, the I think it's all done in character you know where literally I am saying that you know, cocksacking is the equivalent of performing and giving everything you've got to your audience uh, and as a result, that gives me free reign to call every single comedian I know a cocksucker and then say that I'm the best out of all of the cocksuckers. And that's kind of like, you're taking the piss, aren't you? You're self-grandizing. Sure. I mean, it's and, not, and in terms of what... Jokes never work when you explain them, but, you know... And, and, and to be fair, everyone got the joke, but it's... Um, yeah. But that's a good example of a thing where you, that you write on stage. So, you, so which bit of that did you bring on stage, or did you just... Just One time just you were calling people cocksuckers it, and you went, hang on a minute, there's a way to do this legitimately. Yeah, just the, just the comparison... Do, 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 do you know what? I mean, it's just like, like, oh, man. I, 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 people don't. People take me for granted. Right? <laughs> right. I started a show last year where I came out saying I got the whole audience to chant "Nick Helm is fucking amazing" whilst jumping on a mini trampoline, uh, and then by the end of it, I told the whole audience to fuck themselves. <laughs> Standing ovations. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, got nominated for an award. Nobody goes out and does that. And then yet, yet they say, yeah, it's a bit similar to last year. Is it? Fuck you, fucking pricks. <laughs> fucking take me for fucking granted. I won't be doing this one year, you know. I won't be de- I'll be dead one year. And you'll be going, where's Nick Helm, eh? With his, with his bag of fun. <laughs> this little bag of tricks, fucking... No, yeah, but, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. You just try and do stuff and see what works and what doesn't when work. You're, what sort of decisions are you making on stage then? When you're, when you're in, in the moment and you are improvising something... What, like, are you out of control completely? Are you trying to just put anything out there and see if it's, is it, is it like you're kind of, you know, roughing the paint all over the canvas to see what, what emerges? Or what, what sort, what's the experience of doing it? Well, I'm quite a moral person and I've got kind of like a quite a strict, you know, uh, guideline of what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with. So you could say I'm out of control, but it's always within those kind of, moral guidelines of what I will and won't do and what I will and won't make fun of and make jokes about and stuff like that. I don't think in the grand scheme of things I'm actually particularly controversial. People seem to think that I'm controversial, but I think that's because they've misunderstood what I do. I don't see shouting and swearing as controversial. I don't see swearing as controversial. I don't see anything like that as controversial. And it's all about the context at the end of the day anyway. But... um, yeah, I'm not a controversial comedian, so I just think you come out and you try stuff. Also, it's a comedy thing. You know, even the people that were talking at the back when I was having a go at them, having a go at them, knew that I was, um, I was joking. Sure. It is, but you know. Um, so. But I just I and what? also, uh, but what if I wasn't joking? The fact is, they were in the wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were talking. All I was doing was pointing that out and, and having a go at them. But sure. I did it in a way that made everyone feel part of the fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> As what, opposed to I'm a asking. way that made everyone feel slightly awkward that I'd kind sure. of got up my own ass. I suppose what I'm, what I'm asking is, like, you've obviously, during your career, you have found a thing, which a moment ago you said, um, yeah, someone got up to go for a piss. Of course I'm going to jump on that because th- some gold might come out of that. 
So that process of looking for... <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> but that process of knowing that if you get in a confrontation with someone, you, you must... What I'm trying to unpack is the instincts that you're following when you... Like, you know, for example, that if you have a go at someone, chances are that will trip something that will then come out of you. You'll be more creative because of it or because you're, find, you're being more provocative because of it. What, I, what is that? I, I find material, especially my material, <laughs> quite boring. <laughs> um... And uh, you never know what, you know, oh, yeah, brilliant. We can do this stuff that I have written down that I've got a pretty good idea that might work and all of that. Or we can do something that's actually uh, in the moment and kind of um, uh, exciting for me. Also, the more you mess yourself up, the more it's, the harder it is to get back to your show and your material and to tie things up and to kind of leave the stage so that everyone feels like they've had something satisfying. Um, and that doesn't always work. Sorry. And um, <laughs> and um, uh, but sometimes it does work, and sometimes you go, oh wow, and you've got to try. And because that. the leap has been further. Because by smashing up, by by making it, by giving yourself less chance of somehow pulling it all back together, when you do, it's more satisfying. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, but also, as it's work in progress, you kind of you know, there's a certain amount of. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I just I just do things that I think are funny, really, and I ju- and I feel, yeah. So if people find it funny, then that's great. And if they don't find it funny, I don't do it again. It's you know, people people aren't there because you're special. People are there because it's something to do. And what I try and do is just wake people up, <laughs> so that at least they're paying attention. So, think, so given sorry to interrupt. But okay, so given that that that's definitely that's definitely an idiom of yours, is that you come on, bang, shouting, waking them up, and kind of like sort of you know rolling them, you know that. But also, um, you know, there's songs, there's poetry, there's one there's, there's stories, there's uh, audience participation, there's props, there's stunts, there's costumes, there's set, there's all these, there's a band sometimes, there's all this visual stuff, and it's kind of like going like. You change what you do every five minutes because that means that the audience are kind of like, they can't second guess it. They're like going, oh, 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 yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> and um, and so, 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 that's, so that's kind of, um, that's where the thinking is. And it's also kind of like, if you didn't like that bit, don't worry, there's another bit coming along. Um, and, you know. With a view to doing heavy entertainment, which is your new solo TV show. Yeah. Um, not as opposed to Uncle, in which you're, you're you know, a comic actor, but um, it's written by someone else. I'm a puppet. <laughs> um, and we, I don't think we've got time to cover Uncle as well, but what I wanted to ask was, with your show that you're writing, do, are you, do you have any concerns about the fact that, like, does it need to be uh, set like TV is? If you think of someone like Terry Alderton, it's much harder for Terry Alderton to get a spot on a TV show because he, he's really wild and random. You're very wild and upsetting and you break into stuff and clamber over people. Uh, do you have concerns about how that will translate to television? Yeah, um, that's, what the, that's what the hardest thing about it is. Because um, we did the pilot when we did the... Uh, I don't know if anyone... Um, I don't know how many people saw it, but it wasn't loads. Um, but we did... Thanks, Rob. <laughs> but when we did the pilot of Heavy Entertainment, um, they told me, end of January, do you want to do a series of Heavy Entertainment? And I said, I'd just done first series of Live at the Electric and I hadn't enjoyed it because we were on last 
and the audience is left for the tube when we're on stage doing it and uh and you're you're watching the audience is like flooding out and you're going you, you, literally your dreams are dying in your eyes <laughs> and you're going there's a fucking camera on me <laughs> smile <laughs> um and so to found quite and i didn't really enjoy the kind of experience of doing like live tv uh, not live TV, but TV in front of a live audience. So when they said, do you want to do like a thing in front of an audience? I said, uh, no. And then they said, well, you've got five weeks to do it because it's got to be made and edited by the end of the tax year. And that's showbiz. Like, that's showbiz. So I thought, right, well, I can either go five weeks or I can go five weeks. Um, and I thought, well, five weeks isn't so long to do a project that I don't really want you know, hadn't really made my mind up with. It's not going to take the rest of my life. It'll take five weeks and then it'll be over and then I'll write Edinburgh. And uh, so we did that and um, and it was kind of interesting, uh, but I didn't 100% love the last project product of it. I kind of found that difficult. I think the problem with it is that, um, the problem that I have with it is that it is. It's What I do is all about the audience and it, it doesn't, nothing always works. You know, things don't always work, but... Um, the fact that I'm saying it is sometimes the joke as opposed to what I'm saying. And um, and it's very difficult to illustrate that when you've got a camera on your face and everything is at face value. You know, it's kind of like, I've said a joke, like the, my one-liners, they're kind of good, they're kind of bad. Sometimes they're shit. But do you know what I mean? It's like... Um, yeah, part, soon, of, part of the joke is you've the had joke, the temerity to tell a part joke Part of the joke that is that I'm yeah. saying these are the best jokes you've ever fucking heard yeah. and there's explosions coming after them and they're just slightly weak cracker jokes, <laughs> you know? Um, and kind of that's the joke. But when you're saying them directly to a camera, it's face value and you go, well, this joke is shit. How dare he say that on my telly? It's like, you're not even watching, mate. You're on Twitter, right? <laughs> and... Um, and so, so, so part of that is like trying to find a way, now that we've learned, oh, well, I learned so much from doing the pilot, part of it now is like trying to find a way to translate what I do on stage into a television uh, scenario because that's kind of, that's where it will be made. It's a massive, it's very stressful. Because in a way, like, it doesn't have to, you know. I'm not, I'm, my material at best is weak. <laughs> That's clearly not the case, though. Well, I'm very hard on myself, and um, and um, uh, I, 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 I think your your performance is so strong. I mean, your performance is incredibly strong. I think your material's really strong as well. But if you're, but it, so what are you saying? That it feels like if you have your performative legs taken out from underneath you because of the different context. I think that the performance is is such a big part of how I develop the material in the first place. Uh, it's not what I say necessarily; it's the way I say it. So, um, so yeah. So it's kind of like it, it, it's a difficult thing. I can't write it down as a script, you know. And that's, sure. that's one of the things they want me to do, and it's kind of difficult to kind of like work it all out. But I'm working it out, you know. It's kind of. But this is literally new for me, and this isn't something that I've necessarily said. I've got this great idea for a TV show. I'm kind sure. of working backwards where I'm going. I've got this thing. It's like problem solving. But it's the same with Edinburgh. And you go, at first I was doing Edinburgh because I'd love to do it. And then you're yeah. kind of like, okay, I've got to do another one. How do I do it? And sure. So it's kind of problem solving. But, which is what I'm looking forward to Edinburgh this year because it's kind of... Problem solved. 
it's just piece of, yeah, it's a bit of fun, isn't it? And you get to go out and play with the audience. We'll have to wrap up fairly soon. If it's all right with you, Nick, I was going to ask if anyone uh, in the audience had any questions for you. Is that that's fine? Are you happy to speak to them? Yeah. <laughs> have a couple of minutes now to think of a question. I'll ask something else while you have a think, and then if you put your hands up and uh, ask it through me for the sake of the recording. Um, I wanted to ask what elements... You mentioned one already, that thing that you're not an anecdotalist. Are there any other things that you wanted to do when you started that you feel like you're still striving towards? Given that, what, given that the things you know that you do, you're so good at, are there things that... Do you know what I mean? The poems are great, the shouting is great, the audience stuff is great, the sweating is great, the tasks are funny... Do you know what I mean? There's all of that stuff. Are there, are there things, do you, do you ever think to yourself, I wish I could just do a bit more of that? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a perfect storm though, isn't it? You go, right, it's, all of these bits on their own are kind of like maybe, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I just try and just do, do stuff that I want to do. And uh, when I started doing comedy, it was just like, can I, can I do comedy? It's like, oh, well. I'm all right at it, and then can I make any money off of it? And then you make enough money to get your travel expenses paid. And you go, Mum, guess what? I got my travel paid to Leicester and back, and your mum is proud, and you go, that's great. And then, and then, you know, I didn't think that I would get to this point. I never, I never, not I never asked, but I never thought or tried really to get to this level because I just wanted to do stuff that I thought was good and that I liked and um, and now I'm at a stage where I've done a sitcom and um, I've got a, another TV series coming up and I, I but so I'm not an idiot it's just like well fuck I might as well just do as much as I can while I can um, so that's all I'm doing really I'm just kind of like See is it. there is there any is there any kind of master plan for you? Do you have ambitions? Do you have kind of specific like measurable ambitions? Do you want to do the band at Wembley one day? Do you want to you know? No, but if that if if an opportunity like that came along, then I would obviously take it and see. I just you know I've just you, I always said that I would never say no to something outright. I never wanted to do panel shows. I went through a long stage where I said I won't do panel shows. Uh, and then I did 8 out of 10 cats and uh, I really enjoyed it and I did it and I was fine and okay that's fine if I'd have said no to that then I would have cut off a huge point you know um, I always said that I'd never do adverts and I did uh, you know, long before you know, my career took off in any way but I did an advert because I had to because I couldn't afford shoes you know and then that was just like but I literally couldn't I had holes in my shoes and um like all the rainwater would come in and my feet were burning and like my feet would like burn because of the, like the acid rain or whatever because that's London and um, and I couldn't afford, I had one pair of trousers that I had to wash every time I left the house like, well not every time I left the house like <laughs> I was a massive ejaculator back then <laughs> and, um, uh, but like I had to you know I had one pair of trousers and all of that stuff I couldn't afford food I couldn't afford nothing and um and then I did an advert, and it got me out of a hole. And then because I wasn't worried about money all the time because of the advert, I could write stuff. And in actual fact, you know, for any comedians that are starting out and that aren't that are going, well, Bill Hicks says don't do adverts and all that, fuck that. You know, do what, do, do what... When you get to a stage when you're Bill Hicks doing an advert, turn it down. But before then, you know, if you can't eat, 
then you're a fucking dick. There's nothing admirable. There's nothing admirable about dying in the gutter because because you want to be an artist, you know. Because that just means that people don't get to see what you do. So I think you know you just you know stick to your guns artistically. But the other thing is like John Lydon, he did that butter advert, didn't he? So Johnny Rotten did a butter advert, and everyone was like, "Oh God, you're so you're such a fucking sellout, John. You did a fucking advert." And he goes, "Well, yeah, but." A, I like butter. <laughs> <laughs> and B, the, with the money I made off it, I made a new album, mm-hmm. which no one was going to put the money up for. And it's kind of like you just need to... You, I think the main, if you're going to learn anything from tonight, it's that you just need to think about what you want and not try and follow what other people want, really. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we've got time for. Um, would you please join me in thanking Mr Nick Helm? <laughs> Thank you.